bitch thoughts Sports news that top You know Chris said uh, Who got you taking all the shots Tell me like who got traded, who did not And what's the latest, well let's debate Just trust the process, you know we got this in-depth analysis Who's the baddest? Yes, right here, behind the line No bout, there's no crime Like and one, go for two Three, pull and drop to the hoop We cover it all inside the park The newest stud up from the bar It's deeper stalks DTB, you're tuned into the best you'll see Welcome to the Deepish Thoughts Podcast, episode number 34. I'm Chris Horwardell, joined by Anshu Khanna. Anshu, we're looking at these numbers of the listeners in the last week, and uh, I can't say thank you to all of these people enough. Yeah, it's really overwhelming, honestly. So I will say what you can't and say thank you to each <laughs> one of them, but it's, uh, it's, I'm shocked, to be honest, because we're too... Well, I'll speak for myself. I'm an idiot, and uh, I'm a larger it's, idiot. It's awesome. <laughs> it's it's very much overwhelming. There's no real other word to to use. So, thank you, guys. And uh, in in that same vein, we apologize for not doing a show last week. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think uh, yeah, the listeners will understand if they knew what was going on. There is there is quite a bit. Uh, things are busy. Not so much in the sports world. We have we do have football back, and the Hall of Fame game was a couple of nights ago. What were your takeaways mm-hmm. from this initial preseason foray? Uh, I mean, it's just so great seeing live football again. Yeah, but um, you know, the first game is always at least they had one this year. That's what I That's have to true. say about that. After the the Packers got canceled last year, um, but uh, you know, it's it's pretty cool. Like. It's just great seeing the guys, even if it's Kellen Moore and whoever else. And I've always really, I don't know about you, I feel like you were definitely this kind of guy too, but I love watching some of the backups and the younger players mm-hmm. because you're such a big college fan. And, like, you know, there are a lot of these guys that you won't ever get a chance to see in a meaningful game, like Kellen Moore, for example, a guy who I, I liked out of Boise, actually. So just the cool, you know, I don't know. I like seeing some of these sort of – one-time name brand of players uh, getting to compete out there on national TV. Well, and I'm always interested in in what could be, too. I think that's kind of what spurred my fascination with both the Mm -hmm. NBA and the NFL draft. I'm I'm interested in, I guess, not not so much knowing before other people, but just – knowing as much as I possibly can about, you know, what's going on and where things are headed. And that's definitely what the NFL preseason's about because nobody, you know, nobody really cares if, if Carson Palmer didn't look sharp or, you know, if, if Des Bryant dropped a pass or anything like that. But we want to know how these second and third teamers are playing because one, are they going to be able to make impacts on their teams this year? Are these guys growing into larger roles? And two, you know, are these guys who we've been familiar with for a long time going to be, like you said, playing professional football this season? Yeah, it's, you know, it is in that way. It's similar to watching the college game where these guys are busting their ass. I mean, they're not like, they're not just messing around out there. I get that the starters are, and they've got their plans or whatever to carry out what the mm-hmm. coaches are thinking. Um, but you know, especially at the end of the game, you're looking at guys that are literally fighting for their careers. I mean, and in that way, it's kind of like watching like college basketball is what I compare it to, you know, like that, that senior night or like the kids that are busting out there and they, they know this might be it for them. Mm -hmm. Um, That sort of sense of desperation to me, even on special teams. I mean, there's a play at the end of that. And yes, I watched the very end of that game, uh, the (laughs) Hall of Fame game. And, and, you know, there was like a muffed punt, and it looked like, oh no, this poor guy. I don't remember who the returner was, but he, oh, bu- yeah. he muffed it, and it was and it was returned for a touchdown. I was like, wow, this guy mm-hmm. just got cut. That might be the end of his career. Yeah. And then what it actually was was that the Cardinals had touched the ball, um, and he actually had made a really smart play to go right. dive on it because it was a live ball. So um, that it's funny how quickly it flips too in that scenario um, from like an incredibly dumb bonehead play to a really smart you know, intelligent play. And so that, that's like the stuff that you look for, for me at least, like the, just the desperation less so than, and then, you know, those guys occasionally can end up being, you know, major impactful players on other teams. Yeah. I mean, these, these are going to be the most vanilla of vanilla offenses, especially for these teams who are going to play five preseason games, which in this day and age, how these guys are playing five preseason games is absolutely insane. There should be two preseason games every year in the NFL. That's it. We don't need more. Let's not ask for injuries. But did you take away anything at all from this game? I mean, you know, 
Blaine Gabbert looked pretty good. <laughs> um, I honestly didn't take anything away from it. I was flipping back and forth between it. I just like watched some of it to see the names, like I was saying earlier. And I mean, I, I, I didn't take anything away. I think it's tough to take anything away until the third game, but yeah. late in the game, you know, you saw some, some players that might end up making the fringe of these rosters. Was there, was there something you saw? Or? Well, there, there was one borderline interesting thing going on, and that's, uh, that, that's the basketball-to-football conversion of former Baylor power forward Rico Gathers with the Cowboys, oh, who, yeah. who actually did go three catches for 59 yards and a touchdown. So, I mean, it's going to be tough to that's crack great. that Cowboys roster, but this guy is 6'6", 285, 290, and he can move. That's, I mean, that's exactly what you're saying. These are the guys that, two, three years down the line, a couple of years of practice squad work, getting your body into football shape. Who knows, man? And you're right. That's like a boy. That's a unicorn when it comes to size and speed. So, uh, you know, that's, that's very interesting. Rico gathers. That's a great name to, from the past. Somebody, uh, a, a power forward out of Kent state fared pretty well in the NFL. I don't want to say Rico gathers is that guy, but it, <laughs> no. can, it can happen. I'm just certainly can happen. And a power Power forward from North Carolina was a pretty elite defensive potential future Hall of Famer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, he he was also a pretty good college football player. Yeah. <laughs> How was Jimmy Graham in college? Like, I remember him as a basketball player, not as a football player, honestly. So, yeah, me too. Was he? Yeah, that's, let's, that's let's, another one that I... So, I didn't Graham just play one year of... Graham played one year of football, right, at, at Miami? after Maybe as after his... Mm-hmm. Basketball eligibility expired. Let's see. Jimmy Graham. I think that's right. He uh, He's done pretty well for himself, too, although things are a little yeah. bit more confusing with him in Seattle. Yeah, a little bit. He's still pretty damn good. Um, yeah, I just – there. It, it's funny because, you know, the game is increasingly not just about their – I mean, so – a lot of times I've heard, and I've heard Mike McCarthy say this too, like these teams are valuing cross-sport athletes. Baseball mm-hmm. executives talk about that all the time. They value the idea of having your kids just play a bunch of sports and, you know, the, the competitive nature and the way that your body sort of is able to withstand the, the, the you know, yeah, the rigors sure. of different sports. Yeah, so that's um, – I think that is really interesting. And so, and now you've got guys like, and I think specifically the basketball to football conversion is one that um, basketball or football GMs are really valuing now more, more than ever. Yeah. I'll tell you what you don't ever see. You don't ever see a, a player transfer from hockey to something else. We have not seen that conversion yet. Yeah. 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 Have not seen the hockey to anything conversion very much. So Maybe let's Danny Ainge. Danny Ainge. No. Well, I'm not saying people didn't play hockey, but you know, primarily guy, guys who Steve go. Nash? To, Steve Nash. I mean, soccer for Steve Nash. Soccer. Yeah, that's also well, that's, a rarity. That's footwork, and you know, a lot of these you'll hear a lot of basketball players talk about the benefits of playing soccer growing up because of what it does for your footwork. Huh. Really, I, I know that. A fellow by name of uh, Joel Embiid is a, a big proponent of soccer in uh, in terms of growing up and playing and uh, it, it, using it to you know further you and other sports. But Jimmy well, Jimmy Graham, two thousand five to two thousand nine, played four seasons with the Miami Hurricanes on the hardwood, one hundred and twenty games. You know, didn't really play a ton. Averaged four point two points. And uh, 4.2 rebounds, uh, I like the symmetry, a game. Goes and plays for, and of course I closed that, following the conclusion <laughs> of his following the conclusion of his basketball career. It does look like it's the same season, so I think he just went from basketball. Well, that wouldn't make sense, would it? No, he couldn't have done that because football is before basketball. But played one, played one season with the Hurricanes, 2009. Uh, caught 17 passes for 213 yards and five touchdowns. Not a bad, not a bad ratio there. Basically, one touchdown per three catches, and uh, developed into a nice little player in the NFL. Uh, yeah, nice little player is one way of putting it for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so I, that's amazing, though, to be that good at two different sports. Like that yeah. freakish athleticism is just absurd. Yeah, I mean, and that's why we see people like uh, who was the uh, the Okoye uh, Lawrence Okoye. Which one? The, A no, movie? the, the 
Yeah, no, 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 no. I'm talking about the guy, the like the the Olympian who was working out for who was a defensive end for the 49ers. And you know we've had uh, we've had an influx of rugby players again. San Francisco had Jared Haney, and uh, there's a couple others this year. So we're definitely and football to rugby to football does seem like that would be a fairly natural conversion. Yeah, that I agree with that. That would be. It's just maybe with the globalization of the game, we'll see more of that in the future. Uh, you know, parents have your kids play the rugby's, the lacrosse's, and all of them <laughs> growing up because that is the easiest way to get a college scholarship at this point. It really is. That's true. Get Sound yourself, advice. Get yourself good at a. Get your kids to be good at a fringe sport, and uh, and don't you don't worry about paying for their college education. So we have one other thing that happened this week is the return of Jay Cutler on Shukana. He's oh, back, one-year deal with the Miami Dolphins for $10 million. So, so Jay Cutler, Daddy. thanks to the an unfortunate injury to Ryan Tannehill, Jay Cutler is now $10 million richer. Uh, not quite, right? Isn't it $5 million guarantee and then well, five incentives? Yeah, but I mean, if, you know, he's the starting, he's going to be the starting quarterback of this team. He's going to be given every opportunity to play. He's going to hit a lot of those incentives. Yeah, I would expect so as well. Although apparently he's not in great cardiovascular shape because I've heard according time to his presser yesterday, he said that it's not necessary for quarterbacks, which is hilarious. Um, but uh, yeah, like you know what the most interesting thing about this to me is is not that he came back because I felt I, I was listening to like his exit interview, uh-huh. which was on local radio here, um, and he just you know it always seemed like he was kind of half into it, half out of it. Um, as he always is, but he, he was, it's the fact that Fox said that his seat is still there for him whenever he's done. That's insane to me. Like this guy, this guy's star is rising. If Mm -hmm. if that's the case, Fox must love him because, you know, it's the Kevin Burkhart group, right? Which is like their B team. Mm -hmm. And it is a three man group though. Oh yeah. Including, including Cutler, Cutler. But that, I mean, that's not far off from being, you know, a top guy. At a, yeah. I mean, obviously he's going to get a chance, and I just that's that's crazy to me that he's gone there from what he was. And I honestly, I don't know about you as an out of towner, but for me being here, um, I used to just hate this guy, and now mm-hmm. I just kind of, I, I kind of like. I think I've transitioned all the way around to kind of liking him in like a contrarian sort of way. He's He's just kind of like, he's kind of, a, he's sort of interesting. Like if you ever hear his interviews, he's, he, they're very thoughtful answers. He just doesn't suffer fools. And, you know, in some ways it's, it's not Belichickian because he actually answers all of them because he, he really can't afford not to since he's yeah. not that great. But I think that, um, you know, he's, a, he's just like in that pop slash Belichick way. I think that he sort of, he thinks about things a lot and I think he's, he's a pretty thoughtful person, but he's just not very good. And his wife is kind of an idiot. So mm-hmm. it's those two things combined that kind of, I think have hurt him long-term in my eyes and in the eyes of many, especially in Chicago, because he's just thrown away so many important moments and important games. Well, that's interesting. Be the perception of what you see Jay Cutler as and what I see Jay Cutler as is very different because I was always kind of skeptical about this is the transition. Now, you know, we had two of these guys jump directly into broadcasting this year, and it made sense for me that Tony Romo would go into broadcasting because he's, he, I mean, as, totally long, as long as he's allowed to be himself, he's going to be tremendous. And, like, he's a reason to watch football games because I think he's going to be that good. I never got that from Jay Cutler. I never thought, oh, man, I really can't wait to hear what Jay Cutler has to say about this. Yeah, no, I completely agree with you. I think that some of the fascination with cut, the Cutler thing is that we aren't quite sure what he's going to be like. I mm-hmm. think that he's going to bring something. You know, this is a really smart guy. Like, say whatever you want about his attitude, and that could potentially be a, obviously a huge downfall to his media career. Mm-hmm. But he he is a smart dude. Like, the fact that he's continuously been able to pick up different offenses, is aside from his arm talent, like, this, this guy – Every single offensive coordinator that he's had, and they've, he's had a ton, by the mm. way, here, um, has said that one of his his aptitude for picking things up quickly and then bringing it to the field was just second to none. And so 
I think that there's going to be a lot of that um, from the press box. I'm, I'm, if nothing else, I just I need I really want to see him. I really want to hear what he has to say because he can't just be like, oh, whatever, mm. you know, like the way you would think that his dumb face Correct. <laughs> would say. Like, and I've, I'm telling you, I've heard him in some of these interviews here, and they're he's very got this very dry sort of interest, funny sense of humor, and uh, I think that might serve him well as long as the chemistry is good with you know the Burkhart crew. I wonder what those negotiations were like, though, because it is interesting that that Cutler was thrown into a three-man booth, whereas you know Romo would completely destroy the broadcasting lineup at CBS right now if this was him going to the Dolphins. True. Yeah, I wonder if there were some contingencies in that deal. Um, I don't know how that works, though, because, yeah, you're right. It would be in complete shambles. So, yeah, like, I mean... Fox could afford to jam him into a three-man And I think that's actually a good precedent to set for Fox to other guys. Mm-hmm. Um, is Robo just one, one-on-one with, with, uh, with Nance? Yeah, it's just two-man booth. Wow. Yeah, that's – oh, boy. They must have been almost absolutely assured that he wasn't going back. Yeah, I would think so too because like there were real ramifications of that, and it would it would just be very awkward for CBS to have to reach back out to Phil Sims after everything that happened. Uh, yeah, <laughs> and you know they can't go down the Boomer Sizen route after what he said earlier this week about CTE. So yeah, so <laughs> it's best that it was Jay that got an opportunity to play for the Dolphins and uh, and not Tony or somebody like that, but. It's certainly going to be interesting to see, well, one, what he brings to that Dolphins team and, uh, and two, you know, following him moving forward. Because, you know, after we talked about this, I'm much more interested to hear and, and see how Cutler's broadcasting career does progress down the road. Yeah, no, no question. And, yeah, we should talk about what this means for the Dolphins. Like, how much mm-hmm. of a drop-off is this for, for them from Tannehill to Cutler? Because Tannehill's sort of been a – you know, like the definition of average to, yeah, yeah, I'll say average. Like if there are, you know, 32 quarterbacks, he's in that 16 to 20 range, right? Mm-hmm. So, sort of. And I just feel like we're constantly talking about what he could be because he was a receiver for so long and, you know, and, and not really what he's been, which has been pretty, pretty average. Yeah. Well, I mean, I missed some games last year, obviously, but about 3,000 yards passing in 13 games, 19 touchdowns to to what? How many interceptions did he have? 19 touchdowns to 12 interceptions. The interception percentage is higher than you want. Touchdown percentage is a little bit lower. That Dolphins team did lean pretty heavily on Jay Ajayi in that running game last year. But, yeah, I, I just – you're right. I, and I don't – I think saying Tannehill is in that 16 to 20 group might be a little bit kind, honestly. Yeah, I you know now that I'm thinking about, I'm trying to trying to think of who else is in that range. You know, I I think of like Eli and you know Flacco, and mm-hmm. I mean he's below them for sure to yep. me. And you know I I'm not sure who else is hovering around there, but especially with the younger quarterbacks improving, I mean you know if if you're given Wentz or Tannehill for a season, I think you got to go Wentz. So that's I don't know. That's like the, a, not a great situation and and you know the truth is jay cutler's best year in the post shanahan era was with adam gase as far as controlling the ball and so and i know that's been talked about a lot but this guy is incorporating a pretty damn good offense in terms of weaponry you know you look at landry and Devontae parker i still think is a really talented football player um, Ajay is another guy you talked about. Pretty good offensive line, led by maybe the best center in the league. Um, you know, a good defense. I think that he's in a position where, you know, if he manages games, which is what he did with Gase, is it a team that's right, still right on that playoff fringe? And I don't think that you'll notice a drop off from Tannehill to Cutler. I mean, I think Vegas pegged it as maybe 0.5 games worse. Over a 16-game season, that's not very much. So um, I think they basically see them as equals. Yeah, in Cutler's last full season, you know, he played 15 games for the Bears in 2015. 6-9 uh, record, 3,659 yards, 21 touchdowns to 11 interceptions. His touchdown percentage was higher. His inter- interception percentage was lower than those of Tannehill mm-hmm. last season. That's Those are 
pretty good for him. Like, I mean, for what he's become, because you had a lot of those, like, yeah. touchdown interception ratios, basically one, and yeah, not great. And so Gase, I think Gase did well with him. I'm interested to see, you, you mentioned that they leaned on Ajay a lot last year, and yeah. I mean, that was undoubtedly the case, but it wasn't the plan. Remember, he had, right. I think he was sent home after week two, or, mm-hmm. you know, whatever the case was, so... Um, I'm interested to see if Gase, who everyone had at the top of their list two years ago and even maybe three years ago um, as a head coaching candidate, you know, if he's able to spread his wings a little bit more with a quarterback who's more, you know, more aware of his system. Right. And Jaya only started 12 games for the Dolphins last year. Obviously, he was incredible at the end of the season, but, you know, 1,400 or so total yards and, and effectively, you know, 12 and change games. That's a that's a heck of a season. You know, this guy does look like one of the better runners in the league right now. Yeah, I, uh, his size, speed is something that you look at. I mean, his miles on his legs weren't great coming out of Boise, but mm-hmm. you know, he basically, like you said, the four games off last year is a godsend for this year. You'd have to think, um, not the best division if you think about six games, two games against the Woeful Jets, two games against the Pats, obviously, and then two against the Bills not terrible um and you you know you think about the way that they what they'll have to do with cutler is feed a guy a ton so yeah um yeah like i mean those jarvis landry shares and fantasy are probably going to be dipping a little bit but landry if you think about the guys that cutler's been good at in terms of what with like the possession receivers i think of earl bennett and those types of players i think landry could get force fed in this offense too mm-hmm. landry is so much better than anybody talks about yeah, he really is. I mean, it started in college because Beckham got – I mean, actually, I don't know. Landry got more – they were pretty close in terms of attention, but Landry's production was, I believe, way more than than Beckham's. And, uh, yeah, that's it's going to – he's sort of always been overshadowed because he's not a dynamic deep threat type, but he really is that, that good. I want to – so I want to talk about this Andrew Luck thing with the Colts for a second, and I want to ask you an interesting question, aren't you? Is Andrew Luck the single most overrated player in football today? No, no. I I th- remember when we went through all the quarterbacks and we were talking about where you'd put that, what tier you'd put them in, and I think mm-hmm. I put Luck in that very top tier. No, I think that boy, I, his at some point you have to be concerned about his injuries, obviously, and mm-hmm. I think that point is maybe since passed. So um, you know that that's obviously a concern, but. And his interceptions are an issue, but I just think that he's he's never really had the offensive line behind sure. which you can really judge him. And I'm not sure you ever will. Like I think that he might have had some career crippling issues that came because they didn't value the line. And um, you know, I and I also wonder if his head coach, you know, the fact that he isn't hyper aggressive. I think that hurts him as well. And so you wonder if they had kept Bruce Arians there, what, what his career trajectory would look like, because I think tools wise and size wise, I mean, it's tough to find a a better prospect ever at quarterback than Andrew Luck. And, um, and obviously with everything else, the intelligence and, and Mm. all of that, um, and the college coach and, and just everything. So I still think that those things last and he's still young, but, um, no, I wouldn't call him the most overrated player at all. I just, I wonder if he's – I don't wonder what, what we're going to be talking about, Andrew Luck, in 10 years, more of like a what if instead of what was. Well, let me uh, let me ask you this question. Andrew Luck has now played five NFL seasons. What do you think his co- uh, career completion percentage is? Career? Mm-hmm. I, I, so his first year, he was awful, mm-hmm. like in terms of interception. So, boy, is it not 60 it is 59.2%. Would you be surprised to know that Andrew Luck has never completed more than 63.5% of his passes and only three times in his career did he crack 60% completion percentage? That's pretty stunning. That's pretty stunning. Um, you know, I don't think of Luck. I never have and I never will think of him as like a dink and dunk type, though. He just he never has been. He wasn't at Stanford and he, he won't be. I doubt he'll ever be here especially because of his speed and um, you know, he's a down the field guy and uh-huh. you know, if his shoulder issues continue to be what hold him back, set him back and hold him back, that's going to be a, 
you know, that's going to put a shackles on what he can ultimately be because that's, that's a guy that wants to get the ball down the field. Um, and, you know, to me, I think like the air yards per attempt with him would be get better to see. And the, you know, the, I, I think that the yards for completion with him, you think of like his best receivers, obviously T.Y. Holden, what is he basically the one trick point? This dude loves to go deep mm-hmm. and make big plays. And I think that Luck has always, you know, he's, I think that it, his production, Hilton's production is maximized with a guy like Luck, where, you know, if you had someone, someone else who can't drive the ball down the field like that, he wouldn't be as valuable. So, um, yeah, I, I, uh, I guess I'm, I'm pretty surprised, but he's not really a high volume low yardage type right well let me tell you a story of another guy who liked to throw the ball down the field a little bit and he uh, just came out of broadcasting to quarterback the miami dolphins a guy named jay cutler <laughs> jay uh, cut jay cutler's career completion percentage 61.9 percent 2.7 percent higher than andrew luck i would wow. not have guessed that I would not have either, but like I said, I, I don't. You think of Andrew Luck as a as a really accurate passer? I in my head I do, but I, I I know that that is absolutely not the fact now. But look at his like his touchdown to interception ratios and his yardage. It's it's just through the roof. I mean, this guy is just it, there's no comparison between him and Cutler. Like you know, maybe Cutler's best year was almost as good as Cut, at Luck's like his worst year post rookie you know all right let's luck is a career basically career almost exactly two to one it's slightly under two to one touchdown to interception not okay his first year he threw what well everybody has everybody's a rookie at some point (laughs) all right if you throw out look i look you don't you don't need to make this argument because now that i look at jay cutler's it's it's not even close to that it's like a (laughs) 1.3 to one but still, I mean, the the sub two sub two to one career touchdown to interception, the sub sixty percent completion percentage, which is very much a yardstick for a quarterback in the NFL. That sixty percent completion percentage, like you don't want to be under sixty percent as a quarterback in the NFL. No, you definitely don't. That's why I said it. I mean, I said, is it under sixty? I I know I totally get what you're saying, but I also think that this is a guy whose efficiency numbers are still very high, generally speaking. Tools all there. It's just the injury thing but i i the yardage is through the roof i mean for what he is and his yard his interceptions he still has issues with interceptions too but his touchdown totals are just crazy i mean this guy is productive he wins you games he's just an incredible field general he knows the offense in and out and you know i think the comp for him is stafford i've always thought that those two are sort of similar um stafford's probably yeah, I mean, I think that those two are pretty similar. I'd, you, I'd rather have luck, but those are the two guys that I would sort of link together in terms of production um, long-term, and luck never had a Calvin Johnson. Yeah, I mean, in my head, I would say, yeah, I would say that I would want luck too. So Stafford is uh, 61.5% complete, com- uh, career completion percentage, very much on the back of the last two seasons, which have been 67.2% and 65.3%. He's had a number. Wow. He's had four seasons in the NFL under 60%, and his touchdown to interception is uh, 1.8-ish to 1. So uh, very, very comparable to Luck, uh, you know, but mm-hmm. again, two points higher in terms of his career completion percentage. And a lot of factors do come into play with that, of course. Like you said, Andrew Luck has had a horrible offensive line. This is, this is one of the reasons that people questioned whether or not Eli Manning was worthy of the first pick in the draft coming out of Ole Miss because he played uh, behind basically a high school-level offensive line. And that, <laughs> that has a gigantic effect on a quarterback. But, oh, yeah. yeah, I don't know. I, I, I didn't go into this. I did not go into this day thinking I want to make the argument that Andrew Luck is overrated. That came solely because of looking at his numbers. I... Uh, I don't think his numbers are that bad, to be honest. I mean, I, I like... You can't be sub-60% and be the highest-paid quarterback in the NFL. Now, Derek Carr's highest-paid on a per-year basis, but Andrew Luck is the highest-paid in general. I think he's you're paying for... not paying for past performance in that one. Plus, he look, he, he completed 64% last year, didn't he? 63.5. <laughs> yeah, okay. 63.5% last year. So, I, I think that... What you're getting with him is still like you're seeing what the ceiling is when he's there, when he's mm. healthy, and he wasn't even that healthy last year either. 
Um, I mean, yeah, he was sub 60% one year when he played a full one of his, he's played four full seasons, essentially of 15 plus games. Only one of them has he gone under 60%. So I, I he's played I think three he full easily... seasons of 16 games. Okay. And, and one fifteen. Okay. So very close, but still. Yeah. I'm saying four 15 game seasons, three of them, all of his non-rookie years, he's gone over 60%. His, his efficiency has only gotten better. Um, and I mean, 31 to 13 last year, touchdown interception, pretty damn good. Not great. But I mean, yeah, Mm -hmm. not great, but pretty good. Um, 40 to 16 in 2014. That's pretty, that's what you're looking at. That's, Absolutely, but let's not cherry pick and let's talk about 2015, which was 15 to 12. Right, in seven games when he was clearly hurt. Like, I mean, uh, he clearly was, should not have been playing. But and all the numbers taken out and I totally get it, but I think that if you look at those... I, all right, yeah, I mean, maybe I'm biased. I don't think that he's overrated. I think this dude is... the Like, if you put better players around him... His numbers, you could see him entering that, you know, upper, upper Hall of Fame echelon. But we're not there yet because because they haven't and because he's been banged up. And I'm not sure he'll ever recover from that. All right. If you're the general manager of a, of a successful NFL football team, good offensive line in place, decent weapons, not great. Do you want Derek Carr or do you want Andrew Luck? Oh. By the way, Derek so, Carr, twenty-eight to six touchdown to interception last year, thirty-two to thirteen the year before. I love Derek Carr. I love them both. I, but I, the problem is, I'll say Carr with a caveat, which is, if I was given a clean Andrew Luck bill of health, I would go mm-hmm. with Luck. But I think that I think that the number of injuries that he's had are is alarming. And I think that the injuries he's had are not ones that you just brush off as like, Oh, he'll just get over that. You yeah. know what I mean? I, I, I think that he's, he's a guy whose skills could potentially erode where I know Derek Carr's career or season ended early last year, but I'm not as concerned with him because he doesn't have that history of it. And I think they both bring similar field generalship. And I would almost say that, Carr is less likely to throw away a game for you than Luck. Yeah, I mean, it, and Carr's season did end early last year, but it ended after his 15th game played. This guy's only missed one game in his three-year career. Yeah, right. And I... Poor timing for it. Boy. One game. Not great Are there? Is there anybody else in that conversation, in that general range? You take Rodgers... Uh, I mean, Brady what are we... What are, what are we building for? Are we building for this year? Are we building for the next five years? Yeah, five years. Well, so, so take Brady so, out. I don't know. Brady says he's going to play another five, and I'm not sure that he can't at this point because I don't think he should still be as good as he is. Um, uh, I mean, obviously, Goff is in that conversation. <laughs> <laughs> I think the uh, only guys in that conversation are Wilson, Roethlisberger. is probably too old now. Yeah. Um, I mean, Rogers, Wilson, Carlock, Cam. Yeah, I mean, it's a very it's got to be a very specific t- kind of team for Newton to be that guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. What do you think of Jameis? No. I'm more I'm more on the Mariota bandwagon if that's what we're talking about, but Mariota's his issue is we haven't seen it over a full season yet, so but I'll I'll, I'll buy stock in the Mariota situation for sure. Okay, well, so, we, but I, we I don't think either of those guys, you can't put either of them there. Right, we both we both think Dak is going to come back to earth a little bit this year. Uh, oh, yeah, you know, no, not, n- no, nobody there. Certainly uh, not big on the Thompson. How, how about Matty Ice? Mm. I I'm not as big of a fan as others are. I wouldn't put him above any of those guys that we mentioned. I but... mean, I'm not saying above, but I'm saying is he in that conversation? Yeah, I think he has to be. He has to be, unfortunately. I'm not, I'm not, I don't feel that way about him, but yeah. Like, if you're starting a team, you're saying, and you just have, like, this average set group, say, about, slightly above average group of players, both mm-hmm. offensive line and weapons, I mean, Ryan is towards the bottom of that, but I think that he's got to be above, like, Jameis and Mariota, just what based is, on what, what he's done. What is it about Jameis you don't, uh, you don't care for? Jameis? 
I think yeah. that you want to talk, I mean, his inaccuracy is a factor to me. And I, again, I just, I haven't seen it enough. For, I still like him. Like, I think that he's, he's still going to, I I would bet on him to win, to, to ultimately crack this group at some point. Mm-hmm. We're talking this group. One thing it has all, they all have in common. Well, I guess they don't all have it in common. I was going to say they've all won big, but they, they haven't, they haven't all made it Super mm-hmm. Bowl yet. Um, they've all made the playoffs. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I, yeah, I can't put yeah. him there. I like Mariota too. And I've, you know, I've always liked Mariota. He's been a guy who is very much linked with Philadelphia because of the Chip Kelly thing and us needing a quarterback. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. He, there is like the, in my mind, and I'm thinking in terms of if I'm running an NFL team, the quarterback really needs to be the face of this franchise. And Marcus Mariota is incredibly skilled on the field, but God, he's so boring. <laughs> he's just too nice. That's what they said about him coming to the draft. Too nice. Absolutely ridiculous. But I, I, he is the polar opposite of Jameis in that way. That's for sure. Um, the other thing with Mariota that would scare me is, is linked to what we talked about with luck, which is, you know, this dude, you're, it's tough to give him a clean bill of health. I mean, he puts himself in harm's way too often. Yeah, he's, he's a little lankier than you'd want him to be. You know, obviously six four ish, and I, I uh, that would be tough for me to buy over any of these guys. And I think, yeah, like that's why when you say Matt Ryan, I would even say Matt Stafford ahead of those two guys because we've seen what he can be in terms of talent. And yeah, he's been banged up occasionally, but if you want to talk about just that alpha sort of player that'll put his body on the line, Stafford's that dude for you. Well, isn't Mariota very comparable to, in terms of his first two seasons in the NFL, to a Robert Griffin? And we saw how that worked out. I mean, I don't think anyone's put up the numbers Griffin did as a rookie. I don't think anyone okay, well, to that. Okay, Robert Griffin, as a rookie, 30, uh, 65.6% completion percentage, the second highest, highest of his career, and 20 to, 20 to 5 touchdown to interceptions, so 4 to 1, and then 3,200 3, yards as a rookie. Uh, th- you got to look at rushing with that, too. That, that's fair. Then this is, this is in 15 games. He rushed for 815 yards. That is incredible, but it also destroyed his career at the end of the day. Uh, right. Mark, Mariota, his first year, 62% completion percentage. 19 to 10 touchdown to interception at 28, 18 Q, uh, QBR and Q quarterback rating similar to uh, similar to what Griffin did, but you know, 252 yards as opposed to 819. I just, I'm talking about in that similar style and obviously Marriott is never going to run as much as Griffin. And you know, maybe he would have, if he was playing in that offense for Shanahan and Shanahan just didn't yep. care about his quarterback's future, but <laughs> clearly not. He likes cousins more allegedly. So yeah, no, I, I, that's what I'm saying. I think that there, I hope that that's not the track that he's going down. I don't see, first of all, Griffin had um, just myriad of other issues that he clearly was dealing with on a very personal level with his teammates. And so I don't see that being an issue with Mariota. My similar way to how Griffin did. And I think that the comp is well taken because of their body types. Mm-hmm. And I think that they both, you know, it's funny because Griffin was good with the deep ball. Um, and Mariota, the big issue with him, according to everyone, was, oh, this guy never played in a pro style offense. He can't throw the deep ball. Well, mm-hmm. I think he's kind of proven that he can. He's a pretty accurate player. And, um, but my issue, again, the running is one that those two, they, the running with sort of recklessness at times is the thing that scares me for Mariota. And I, I just don't think, I think that's something that it's tough to just flip off. And so like you think of Cam and how everyone's saying, you know, they, he's got to run less. He's got to run less. He's got to yeah. run less. I mean, you can't just take that out of a player's game. No, it, it completely changes what he is on the football field. And he's a much less dangerous passer if you're not worried about his running. But man, I'll tell you what, one of the teams I am the most excited about this season, as you talk about Cam Newton, is that Carolina team. Because I think it's going to be fascinating to see what they do on offense, bringing in Christian McCaffrey, who by all accounts is having an incredible training camp. And then Curtis mm-hmm. Samuel in the second round, who was another similar weapon who you can line up anywhere. Yeah, and and 
big fat Kelvin Benjamin and how he reacts and a, what 34 year old Greg Olson now um, they've got a lot of very uh, that's going to be one of the most different looking teams and, and inherently one of the most exciting teams because I think we all agree that they sort of underachieved last year and maybe even got unlucky in some cases mm-hmm. um, and I think that there I like there isn't always that much turnover in an NFL team that's supposed to be good, like potentially even contender good, yeah. but the Panthers are one of those teams. And so, yes, I totally agree. I think they're going to be really interesting and you just hope for a healthy cam because he changes every team's dynamic, no matter what. And so there are a lot of unaccounted for carries and targets on that team. And uh, I'll, I'll be fascinated to see where they all go and how much McCaffrey plays a role in that on both sides. For sure. And I'm, be fascinated to know what exactly is playing audio which browser of mine is playing audio right now but uh that's that's fine what do you you say big fat kelvin benjamin he looks like he should be playing you know gearing up to you know wear a number 70 for this uh panthers team yeah oh yeah uh, looks terrible it's pretty bad um yeah, like, and this is a team that badly needs him to be good because, yes. you know, Devin, Devin Funches looks like, you know, that was maybe a myth in terms of what he was going to end up being, converting mm-hmm. from a tight end-ish player to a receiver at the NFL. And, you know, I, I boy, they, and they lose Ginn, quote-unquote lose, Ted yeah. Ginn. And then, you know, they've got a bunch of, eh, type set receiver after that. And now you've had, had McCaffrey, you keep Stewart. I mean, it's going to be, boy, it's going to be really interesting there. And and you just don't know with Cam. I mean, he just started throwing, didn't he, this week? Mm-hmm. Like, really, this, or a couple of days ago? I mean, that's that's not exactly what you want. I, I think they're going to be fascinating, but I lean towards them not being very good, especially in a division that I think has some up-and-coming teams. And, and I mean, obviously, the defending NFC champions. I think McCaffrey is a a real threat to win Rookie of the Year, though. Ooh, I like I, that. I do. I I've come yeah. around on you know. I was a, good odds on that. I was a little bit down on McCaffrey when it seemed like he was going to be the Eagles' pick, ironically. But mm-hmm. and and I wasn't crazy about that. Of but now now that he went four picks higher than that, I think man, this was this was a genius selection. And I, I just I love I love the versatility of what he brings to an offense. Yeah, you know, can I tell you we yeah. just saw An, we just saw Anquan Bolden sign a one year two point seven five million dollar deal with the Bills. Bolden would have been a really interesting fit for this Panthers team. Oh, couldn't you just see Bolden just just tearing it up for them, putting up crazy production stats for them because he is just what they need. Yeah, I mean. They could also use a deep threat. I'm not sure what, sure. what role Curtis Samuel is going to play for them, but boy, that would have been a really interesting piece to that puzzle because I think that they're sort of right on the cusp of being a contender, like I was saying. I mean, two years ago, right, they win the conference. And so, mm-hmm. I mean, it's uh, – boy, it's really – I don't know, man. I, I That would have been a really good – and you just wonder what these teams are doing sometimes. Like, we're – where's your head at on this? Like that, maybe they brought him in and they didn't feel great about it. Maybe there's some thing with cam. I don't know, but it just doesn't make sense. Some things just make so much sense. And you wonder how do they not happen? You know, like who are the two, the Jets? I mean, how do the, how do the Panthers not look at someone like Eric Decker? Mm-hmm. How do they not look at, you know, I, I, there were so many receivers available, veteran receivers. And they decide that, I mean, they must feel pretty good about Curtis Samuel. Like I guess, because he's got a, He's going to have to play. Yeah, I mean, a guy like, you know, especially for what he signed with, a guy like Terrell Pryor would have been a wonderful fit for the Panthers. Oh, yeah. But, Even but man. Even Britt can, and there you, Jeffrey? Uh, uh, yeah, I don't know that they had the money to spend on Jeffrey, though. I was thinking more, you know, Pryor ended up being a pretty cheap signing for Washington. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, a so one year. it's only a one year. Oh. Well, that, yeah, that's that's a trail. Pryor thinks he's going to go to Washington, play with Kirk Cousins, put up huge numbers, and then break the bank next off season. But I'll tell you what, as a th- that, yeah, he could have done that in a lot of places. As a yeah. as a as a thirty six year old, Anquan Bolden put up sixty seven catches for the Bills last year. All this guy does is produce, and in addition to that, maybe the best run blocking wide receiver in the NFL since Heinz Ward retired. 
Yeah. I mean, he's definitely up there. He's a really good physical player. And for a team that's going to do a lot of outside running, you'd have to think with, with Christian McCaffrey, I mean, that's a valuable piece potentially. And just a guy that when you've got two young players like McCaffrey and, Mm -hmm. and Samuel, both probably in that receiver room, at least somewhat, um, you know, you could really lose a guy like Anquan Bolden instead of big fat Calvin Benjamin in terms of showing you the ropes and kind of dictating how you should be playing and running routes and those types of things. So I think that that's, that was a miss probably on their part. I mean, I'm not saying that Bolden is some kind of like world beater, but no. or like he's still what he was in Arizona, but you know, this guy still can play. And if nothing else, I just, I think that some of the, the impact on the locker room and those, those scenarios you're that would I can't imagine that not working out yeah you know and like you said Bolden's not gonna he wouldn't come to Carolina and put up a hundred catches in a season but here's the thing about Anquan Bolden he's already lost all of his speed he lost his speed a long time ago this is he never really had it well that's that's true but what he did is has is long gone and you know he caught 67 passes last year like he is the like I would feel comfortable saying Anquan Bolden has another four years and two hundred catches in him if he if he would wow. want to do that. I don't think he's going to play another four years. I'm just saying if Bolden played up until his forty year old season, I think he gets another two hundred catches. Right. right. You're saying especially on a receiver level, like this guy's game is not at all contingent on youth or athleticism. No. I mean it's much more about guile and toughness, and that's always been his game, and he's probably in great shape. I mean, he was with the Lions last year. He's, this guy is clutch, man. That's, I mean, I hate throwing that word around, but he's a good player and he's, and he's a veteran player. He knows how to get the job done. So, um, you know, they, I think that a team like Carolina could have really used a player like Bolden. Yeah, we have, you know, we have hard knocks starting, I guess, uh, in an hour and 52 minutes here on the, on the West coast. And I would watch an entire season of Hard Knocks if Anquan Bolden was a Panther just to see his day-to-day interactions with Kelvin Benjamin. <laughs> it would just be so great. Just him, it'd be like Biggest Loser. He's just yelling at him, <laughs> and get his stuff together, and yeah, I, I would. I'd pay to watch that for sure. That being said, I'm, I'm excited about Hard Knocks. What do you think about the Bucks as a as a Hard Knocks team? Uh, I don't know. I'm disappointed because, you know, when it came down to it, those like final five, uh, final five teams that were announced, one oh, of them was the Eagles one. One of them was the Eagles. One of them was the Browns. And those are both teams with uh, to which I have close ties. So that would have been a little bit more interesting. But, you know, hard knocks. Interestingly, last year. Uh, so I don't know. Have you seen all or nothing? The Amazon series? No, I've heard it's very good, though. Okay, the first season of All or Nothing, which is the Cardinals two years ago, is sensational. It is better than any season that Hard Knocks has ever put out, and I genuinely, wow. I genuinely mean that. Like, it's a must-watch. Like, go back, watch it. You'll enjoy every second of it. Last year was the... was a, was kind of boring. Those Rams. Yeah, it was kind of boring, and actually, it was interesting because both Hard Knocks and All or Nothing were the Rams last year. So yeah. you kind of. And I kind of felt like I got more out of five episodes of Hard Knocks than like eight or nine episodes of All or Nothing, especially in terms of like actually actually having any insight into these these athletes as human beings. Hard Knocks did a much better job of that, where All or Nothing did a great job with the Panthers. Maybe it was just the fact that this this Rams team was so bad and they were focusing on the Jeff Fisher firing and all of that, but mm-hmm. and maybe they just didn't have the characters. I'll tell you uh, what the defensive end William Hayes, I believe, was uh, was one of the scene uh, scene stealers in in Hard Knocks with his uh, in uh, his disbelief of uh, the existence of dinosaurs, which was which was <laughs> that really was fun. Amazing. Yeah, and I, I think he believes in mermaids, but not dinosaurs, if I remember correctly. So, yeah, that was fun. We didn't really get so much of that stuff in All or Nothing, but uh, All or Nothing has has. It's it's ceiling is a lot higher than hard knocks. Hard knocks is a safer bet. I don't, I don't know. I think it I think it's very contingent upon the personalities of of the team. You know, Jameis is obviously going to get a ton of screen time because he's oh, yeah. a very very engaging, very charismatic personality. Now, where there's some things in his past that maybe we all wish didn't happen and maybe would make it a little bit easier to root for him. Sure. Mm. 
Um, but he'll be interesting to watch if nothing else. You know, Deshaun Jackson's there. Mike Evans oh, is yeah. there. That's there's. It's going to be interesting. What do you think? I think that I think that the first scene is a hundred percent Jameis coming mm. down, doing something, and just being wild. Like it's got to be this whole season. I I can't remember a season where one player is so clearly the definition of a franchise in Hard Knocks. Like I, I can't. I just can't picture one. I know like the Falcons had Matty Ice, but you know he's. Yeah, Matty Ice, whatever. That was a terrible choice, by the way. Yeah. Um, so, I, I, can you think of one like where one guy so obviously was just the entire faith and culture of a franchise? All right, let's. Uh, I mean, I need, I need to look at the. We're gonna look here at the uh, the, the history Chief, of Hard Knocks. Chief so when, uh, certainly not the. Certainly not the the Rams last year because that was just incredibly no. boring. Uh, oh, and apparently Liev Schreiber was the narrator in uh, in early season two thousand one and one Paul one Red a- was Ant Man himself uh, in two thousand seven. Yes, Casey. Right. He's a big Chiefs fan, so he volunteered to do that. I believe. Well, Paul, if you want to talk Chiefs, you're welcome to come on the podcast. Let's see. <laughs> So certainly not the Rams, the te- oh, J.J. Watt and the Texans, but he wasn't yeah. really interesting. No, Watt was definitely a good example of that. And I got the impression that like that team respected him, but didn't necessarily like him. Yes, I think that's the I think that's the general consensus on J.J. Watt. But uh, I'm trying to think too. Was it um, who was it that held out for the Chiefs? What running back was that? Was that Larry Johnson? Yes, I believe so. But that was one. And then Revis, obviously, with the Jets. But Rex Ryan was the entire thing. Yeah, it was a Rex Ryan um, show, for sure. Um, no. The Cowboys had a couple where T.O. was in one. Yeah, pa- say, Pac-Man. Like, Pac-Man was a giant part of that. Yeah, that Cowboys. Wade that was, Phillips actually was really good in that. Wade Phillips is, an, is awesome in general. He is awesome. He is awesome. I mean, he should um, never be a head coach. Never, ever be a head coach in the NFL. But as a defensive no. coordinator, sensational. Very and good. as as a character, sensational. Very good. Very good. Yeah, I'm a fan. Um, yeah, I don't think – so that's what I'm saying. Like, this this season <laughs> feels like it has to be all Jameis. How do you feel about, uh, back in 2010, the emergence of rising star quarterback Mark Sanchez with the Jets? <laughs> There was, I'm sure, that was a typical, that was a typical hard knocks quarterback right there. Like you yeah. get your. Yeah. Okay. I, okay. I, I got another favorite... one for you, aren't you? In 2009, okay. a gentleman by the name of Chad Ocosinco with the Cincinnati Bengals. Oh. Okay. All right. All right. I'll give you that one. Ocho was definitely a big, big factor in that season. He was in another subsequent season, right? When he comes in, he gets cut. Was it the Cowboys? Yeah, that's a good question. Was it? No, it was. Uh, it was Miami in 2012. Miami. Oh, that was the worst year. God, that was so bad. Well, well, let's hope that this year is better. We'll get to find out in just about an hour and 45 minutes. Until then, this has been the Deepish Sauce Podcast. I've been Chris Horwardell. He's been on Shukana. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you back here next week.